welcome to the SK Strength Show, where I try to help you make sense of all things health, fitness, and performance. This podcast is for people who want their exercise and nutrition choices to enhance their life, not consume it. If you're looking for coaching, then you can inquire through the link in the description or by heading to SK Strength on either Facebook or Instagram. So, hope you enjoy this episode and we'll get right into it. Hello everybody and I wasn't going to record this right now or today even and I just had a bit of time and I thought get it done, imperfect action, get out of the way. So don't know why I started, led with that. Um, what I'm basically going to talk to you today about is um, food diaries slash food plans, what they are, what's the difference between the two. Um, how you should use them or can use them in your life for addressing your nutrition and basically a lot of like practical application questions to think about and to use and to potentially put into your own food diary and and or food plan and you know you'll see from this that they're very linked and you can use one or the other or you can actually use a bit of a bit of both it really depends what you are wanting to accomplish really so first of all food diaries are more reactive sort of telling you what you have recently been doing and so I distracted myself because I'm taking my jacket off which shouldn't really be that distracting should it but you know here we have a here we have it right so food diaries let me start that again reactive tells you what you've been doing recently so this can be useful to find a start point for your nutrition and for your sort of habits it's very hard to make giant wholesale changes with nutrition or with exercise so it's almost like taking a bit of a an audit of what you've been doing already and this can like I say can be useful if you're starting your journey or if you're like you I don't know you were maybe tracking what you're eating for a while and you've you know you've been in in the journey for a while and you've got to a point where you no longer really track what you eat and you're able to to manage things without too much um what's the word too much like precise monitoring sort of thing like so you're not tracking foods you're just following general guidelines um but as we know things can slip gradually and sometimes doing something like this can be a helpful audit to make sure you are eating in the way that you feel like you're eating because a lot of the decisions we make with food are subconscious and are heavily influenced by our environment and are and and lots of things without about with without out of our control maybe i should have uh, recorded this when i planned to record this rather than doing it now anyway so yeah like i say it can be a good way to double check you're you're doing what you think you are um i did this very recently because I stepped on the scale for the first time in probably about six months and was 
a bit heavier than I was expecting, which made me think, oh, maybe I need to double check the way I'm eating to make sure I'm not overdoing it. Turns out that what I think happened was I started eating more because I started running and then I got injured, stopped running, just carried on eating a little bit more than I had already been doing, um, which over six months will lead to a bit of weight gain. But anyway, this isn't about me. Um, and then a food plan is more proactive and setting your intention for the coming week, coming month, coming day, whatever time frame you're working with. And again, this is more about planning ahead, being prepared, and like I say, setting your intention for the for the days ahead. And both of these are useful things to know how to do and know how to um, apply to your own nutrition. But like I say, like I've just described there, um, one of them may be more valuable to you than the other, just depends on where you're at um, with your nutrition and what you, what clarity you need moving forward. Um, but both of them should give you bit more clarity as to how to progress with your nutrition strategy so even like I say the food diary being a reactive telling you what you're currently doing that can still inform what you need to do moving forward so if I talk through a food diary first so with this we want to work with kind of whatever time frame you're comfortable with generally with these sorts of things the more data we have, the better, within reason, obviously. But I would probably suggest between three and seven days for, for a food diary um, for most people. I mean, when I did my sort of little audit, because I because of the way I eat is so, uh, I would call it consistent, others might call it boring. But basically, every weekday, essentially the same thing. Um, so I only really needed to track one day and see where that was at. But if you, like the majority of people, have a bit more variety in your diet, then that's why we need to have a few days at least to make sure we're getting a, a good picture of what you're currently eating. And regardless of what time frame you choose, I would make sure to include a weekend day as well because we all know how um, how much a weekday and a weekend day can differ for basically everybody. Um, I know there are some people out there that probably stay very uh, very disciplined over the weekend and don't eat any different, but I don't know any of those people, and quite frankly, I don't want to know any of those people. So, literally... Just record everything you eat in as much detail as you can over that um, time period that you choose. Again, generally more data is going to be better. So rather than just putting, you add chicken, rice and broccoli, try to give some description as to how much of that you had. Whether you're weighing stuff out 
or using more visual cues for how much you're eating. Um, doesn't really matter too much. But sorry, I got distracted by my phone. I need to find a distractionless environment to do this in. Um, so yeah, recording as much of that data as you can. Again, to give yourself as clear, of, clear an idea of how much you're eating from a calorie standpoint, from a protein standpoint, fruit and veg portions, um, all this sort of stuff to let us know really how um, how in line with your goals and how health promoting is your current diet. So once you've done that for that stretch of time, review the food diary and the data that you've collected, either yourself or with a coach or with a partner, friend, whatever, and decide on one to three things that you would like to change for the following week. And once you've found those things, how decide to yourself how likely are you to be able to make those changes on a scale of 1 to 10. And then from there, depending how you score yourself, so if you score below an 8 or if you score like quite low, what changes need to be made to make that score eight or above um is that having some convenient options ready for you is that planning your evening meals ahead of time so you're not making decisions when you're tired after work is that changing your meal times so that you are hungry at the right points of the day and you're not hungry you know that mid-afternoon slot and then you're snacking and then not that hungry for dinner is it adding some foods to your diet you know adding some fruit some veg other things that fill you up more and will contribute more to the goals that you have and so those are the things that you want to change and again these should be things that you want to change even if you're reviewing this with a coach this should still be about what you want to change Yes, the coach can guide you and give you advice and say, you know, maybe this needs to change or this should get added in, that sort of thing. But ultimately, they should be guiding you in the right direction, not telling you what to do. And then once you've picked these things that you want to change, also then pick some things that you're happy with. So again, one to three things that you're really happy with in that diet. And how likely are you to continue with that? Because, you know, sometimes when you're recording a food diary, you'll naturally start to eat differently because you're going to record it down. So you don't want to eat how you actually eat. So it might be actually a bit of a new behavior that you've put in just for that time because you don't want to feel any shame or embarrassment about your food diary. So how likely are you to be able to continue doing that or having that and then from there is there anything coming up in that next week that could interfere with these changes that you are making and as you can kind of see from this review this leads pretty nicely into 
that food plan. So, you know, these can, a food diary can then set you up to create a food plan and go from there, or you can continue doing it in a diary fashion. I think for most people, having at least some period of using a food plan is probably going to help for so many reasons for um, reducing your decision fatigue. So you're not getting to the end of the day after a bad day of work and allowing your mood and the day you've had to influence your food decision. You've already made that decision. You've already got the stuff ready or whatever it is. So you don't even have to think about it. Um, also helps for things like doing a shopping list and getting your shopping done, which I know is such a like mundane thing to be good at or get better at. But it is also another skill. I know it seems weird to think of that as a skill, but... I think you'd you'd be amazed at how many people um, don't think ahead at all in that regard. And maybe you're listening to this thinking, I never ever think ahead about what meals I'm going to have. I go and do a bit of a general food shop and then just kind of make do. And the thing is that you're leaving yourself open to so much outside influence that the environment we live in is what you call an obesogenic environment. I think that's how they say it. So there's so much food available and so much high-calorie, low-nutrient availability food available. And ultimately, if if you're not going in with any sort of plan, it's, it's so difficult to eat a health promoting diet because you've then got not only have you not gone into the shop with a plan but you're getting bombarded with marketing from the packaging on foods and deals that the supermarket has on and all of this other stuff that you may think doesn't affect you but it absolutely 100% does um that's why companies invest so much money into their marketing departments because this sort of stuff works. Anyway, that's not what this is about. But yeah, you are not above being influenced by consumer marketing, I'm afraid. Um, and neither am I. So, so going into talking about a food plan. So like I said, you've essentially started a food plan there using your food diary to guide the choices based off of what you're already doing. Because, like I say, we don't want to make massive, massive changes because they are very difficult to stick to. We want to try and make smaller changes so that we can stick to them a bit easier. It's not quite as much of an overhaul. You can make bigger changes. Neither is better or worse than the other. But if you're going to make big, big changes you have to acknowledge and accept that you're going to have to put a lot more effort into this than, and it's going to feel a lot more difficult. And it doesn't mean that it won't work. Um, It may be that you're, you need a big um, change up to kind of kickstart you and and get you going. But um, yeah, really individual there. 
So when we're going into this food plan, what general principles do we want to follow? So we want to think about how many meals you eat a day and sort of the frequency there. So, I mean, for me, I tend to eat four meals a day and they're going to be spread about three to five hours apart. And they're all going to have a good amount of protein in. They're all going to be within relatively similar amount of calories and they're all going to contain some fruit and veg. And this is just kind of what works for me. And what we want to do with your meal, the amount of meals you have and the frequency that you have them is kind of reduce the amount of snacking that we need to do because snacking is really, as most people would probably attest, is where you make the... Um, the less favorable food decisions because it doesn't feel like a big decision, I guess it feels, you know, and, and a lot of the time it's not, you know, having um, the odd snack here and there isn't the be all and end all. But if you are consistently smashing a ton of biscuits every single day because of your snacking, then that sort of thing is going to add up over time. Um, Again, this is all practicing moderation and portion control and all of that stuff. So by tailoring your meal frequency and the amount of meals that you're having to yourself and your own hunger, that is probably the best way to to curb snacking for a lot of people um, besides any of the sort of other reasons people snack be that emotional or just from being being bored which I know happens quite a lot and so from there so we've got you know meal frequency and amount uh calories protein what rough level do we need to be there fruit and veg servings um where do we want more flexibility as opposed to more structure where are we going to be more social with our eating? So usually where you're going to be the most social is where we want a bit more flexibility. Most of the time, evenings and weekends, that sort of thing. And is there anything alongside the actual food that we want to implement as well in terms of maybe some mindfulness practice or anything like that? So once we've got these general principles down and general um, things that we're going to follow, something that's going to influence that is obviously what is the goal? Is there goals with the body weight? Do you want to increase weight, reduce weight, maintain your weight? Is there other goals to do with your relationship with food or things of that nature? So that's obviously going to affect your amount of calories, your you know, meal timings, your protein intake, all of that sort of stuff is going to be affected by, do I want to gain or lose weight? And are there any other nutritional goals alongside that? And then when we come to the actual food, what foods do we want in there frequently that are health-promoting, support your goals, and are good things to have that are reoccurring in the diet. So things like fruit and veg and high protein 
items of food, if you want to call it that. Um, and those will make the the basis of the diet. Obviously, we want the majority of our diet to be these more health promoting foods. And then, you know, the kind of 80-20 rule, 80% we're really trying to optimize for health and then 20% we're trying to optimize for enjoyment. But obviously, we should try and enjoy all of it where we can. Which brings on to the next question. What foods do you love that we will include sparingly? You know, the treats that you like. I would never, ever tell somebody to completely stop eating food that they like because that's just no way to live and I don't know about you but I want to enjoy the food that I eat for the rest of my life really I don't want to spend a ton of time eating food that I don't like in the the hope that it's gonna make me live a bit longer or live live like a few percent um better or whatever it is we need to have a balance here so and if we avoid these foods and tell ourselves we can't have them all that's going to happen is that when you do eventually have them you're gonna go mental for them and overeat most likely because because we can't control the global food environment and we can only make steps to control our own you are going to come into contact with these foods at some point. So even if we did want you to completely restrict them and not have them, you're, it's just not a feasible option, really. Um, but, you know, there might be some foods that you know are are things that you should have even more sparingly. So my example of that is the um, the caramel flapjack bites uh, from te- from the Tesco bakery, I know for a fact that if I go and buy a pack of those, I cannot portion it out over like a few days or anything like that. They're just going to get all eaten in the same sitting, and that's just that's how it is. Um, there's no way to change that. I've tried everything. I haven't tried everything, but I refuse to try everything because that's how I like to <laughs> to eat that food. So. With stuff like that, I don't buy that very often. Every now and again, I do when I want to treat myself. But other stuff that you can exercise a bit more control with, we should keep in. You know, I have some form of sweet treat slash chocolate or biscuit or whatever it is every day because that is just what my brain wants after I've had my dinner. And I don't think that's a problem. Within the context of the rest of your diet, you can absolutely include those things. I feel like I've stayed on that point for too long. And another question I've got is, what foods do you not enjoy, but you feel like you should be eating? And there's two ways we can go at this question um, when we talk about those foods. So first one is that there's not really any food that is a non-negotiable cannot be replaced with anything there are food groups that are kind of a non-negotiable i mean fruit fruit and veg if if you want to 
eat healthy, it's kind of that's kind of a non-negotiable, I'm afraid. Um, but specific foods, there's not really the same like with with exercise. There's no specific exercise that you have to do. There's no specific food that you have to eat. Um, and anybody that tells you to eat this one food to help you lose body fat is uh, selling you a dream. So the first question is, is there a viable alternative to that food? Which, like I say, there always will be. But the other thing to look at as well is, is there a way that you can prepare that food better to make it something that actually you can enjoy? Because sometimes I think it is just that sometimes people don't know how to prepare and cook food in a way that is going to be palatable for them. Um, again, particularly talking about like fruit and veg here. So if I think of an example of my own, um, I've recently started eating bananas again. I know, big, big news. But I used to buy a load of bananas for the week. And basically, I'm just really, I hate this about myself, but I'm a really picky, fussy eater, particularly with fruit. I don't know why. I've, I was always a fussy eater when I was younger, but particularly I'm still a bit like that with fruit. I think it's just like the range of textures and flavors you can get from the same fruit on different days is, is too much for my brain to handle. I want to know what I'm having. <laughs> so to remedy that I've started going on a banana walk every day, which has the double pronged benefit of getting me some steps in and also getting me an extra serving of fruit in. So that has taken me from not really being able to include bananas in my diet because I'll buy a load, have a couple of them, and then they kind of, I forget about them in the fridge or something, and then they get too mushy or whatever. Um, I know I said in the fridge there because I started keeping all of my fruit in the fridge because in our house where we had the fruit bowl, um, the sun's just on it straight away. And I feel like that just is going to make the fruit go off quicker. So I put fruit in the fridge, even if it doesn't normally go in the fridge, but that's just me. Anyway, like I say, is there a way we can cook this food that will make it palatable for you to eat and ultimately work towards your goals in a way that you enjoy? And the last thing to to consider, which I've already touched on a little bit, is how much structure and flexibility do you want or need with your food choices? Um, and most of you probably need more structure than you would like or than you think you do. Because generally when people want to change their diets, They've got tons of flexibility with it because they just eat whatever they want, whenever they want. So exercising a bit of structure and a bit of pre-planning and control, I think is probably a good thing to do initially. And that doesn't mean you have to have structure over every single meal. Um, a good method of using kind of the structure versus flexibility is um, the three to one method that um, Emma Story Gordon talks a lot about. So that's where your breakfast, your snack and your lunch are 
not necessarily the same every day, but they're very similar, following the same principles, getting a lot of your protein in, your fruit and veg in, taking care of lots of your nutritional goals for the day so that when you get to your evening meal, if you do have a not so good or not as um, not as health promoting or goal orientated choice, say that you are not 100% in control of your evening meal because you're cooking for the kids as well or the husband's cooking or the wife's cooking, whatever it is, then it doesn't matter quite so much. So that's where we're using a bit of structure and flexibility in tandem. So deciding how much of that you are comfortable with is important because I think what a good way to go about this is, I know most people aren't going to want to eat the same breakfast, lunch and snack every single day. But what you could do is have three or four options for each of those that have similar nutritional properties. So protein, fruit and veg, uh, calories, all that sort of stuff. And you can kind of switch them out as you go and, you know, have one thing one week or for a couple of days and then something else the other couple of days or something like that. And then give yourself some variety and flexibility in the evening, but you can still plan, plan ahead for that variety and flexibility and it can still be choices that align with your goals so i hope all of that made sense um and one step further you can go with both of these is kind of exploring feelings around food rather than just the food that you're eating so kind of going into a bit more mindful eating sort of things which if you're interested in learning more about that i literally just did a podcast on it so go back and listen to that one so some questions that you might want to include in your food diary or your food plan to fill in retrospectively after after the meal. How did that meal make me feel? Am I satisfied? How hungry am I or how hungry was I? Did I enjoy that? What other feelings do I feel besides hunger? Stress, sadness, excitement, boredom, all that sort of thing. Did these feelings affect my hunger or my food choices? And by using these sorts of questions, you can start to pinpoint patterns and see, oh, I tend to overeat when I'm feeling like this, or I tend to make different choices when I'm feeling like this, that sort of thing. So that is really how you start to get truly in touch with yourself and your own behavior. Um, because the deciding the specific foods and all that is great, but ultimately I think most people don't want to be tracking their food for the rest of their life. So we want to get to a point where that's not necessary because you're so in tune with yourself and your feelings, your hunger cues, that sort of thing. So starting to explore that sort of thing is really, really helpful. And then the last thing I'll say in this is also just to explore what barriers you have to eating the way you want to eat. Is it the skills that you're lacking, like cooking, food prep, that sort of thing? Is it family pressure to eat certain things that don't align with your goals? Or, you know, having to feed more than just yourself so you're having to cook 
large portions of things, which means that actually then to batch cook even more is actually a lot more extra effort rather than if you're just cooking for yourself, you can just cook a big thing and you've got a few meals. Uh, is it the fact that you don't prepare ahead of time? Is it that you um, don't take that extra time maybe on a on a weekend to do a food shop to plan ahead what meals that you're going to have? Um, is it that you feel like you lack the time or the energy to do all of these things? you know, to do with uh, working long work hours? Does that affect your decision-making? Um, yeah, so just basically exploring reasons why you may not be eating the, in the, the way that you would like to be to, again, align with your nutritional goals. It's been a long one today. I, I didn't think I was going to go on for that long about this. My notes on this are quite small compared to previous ones. So I'm impressed I've managed to, to ramble for that long. Um, but I'm going to stop now. So thank you for listening. If you got this far, make sure to subscribe as always for more like this every week. I'm going to actually try and start getting some people on to talk about health, fitness related things with me. So um, any of you listening happen to be in that sort of space, then shoot me a message and we can chat about stuff. But if you're looking for coaching, details in the show notes as always, as, as well as my Facebook and Instagram, if you want to send me a message. So thank you again for listening and I will see you on the next one.